Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, Screen Rats. Here we are with another great episode in January 2024. Uh, this episode features the fantastic comedian Janelle Niles. Now, I was switched on to her via my friend Jeff Greenway, who did the soundtrack music for her sort of documentary short comedy special Inconvenient, which you can uh, check out on IMDb. Um, I want to get her description completely correct. So Janelle is a First Nations Mi'kmaq woman from Sipakanakadik in Nova Scotia. Uh, she's been doing comedy for about five years and she's uh, set up her own production company called Gotland Productions where she uh, showcases other comedians and other people in her community all over Canada. It's amazing really, you should check it out and you're going to hear me speak to her very very shortly. Now I should probably uh, give you a couple of trigger warnings and also just generally I feel that doing a podcast obviously we want to get you know uh, sponsorship and stuff like that but I can't really restrict myself about what I speak about it has to be truthful right it has to be what I feel and you know if I get people on here who have strong political or religious views I need to have that conversation we're not going to mute it because we might have the odd listener that feels a different way um, I'm not a religious person I've mentioned this many times I uh, I mean I wouldn't say I'm anti-religious but I have a strong dislike for organized religion generally and and everything it causes in the world uh, I believe it is heavily linked to right-wing politics and you know you should never talk about politics never talk about religion and all of that but this episode we do discuss a bit of that and it's inevitable considering the subject matter that me and Janelle discuss and uh, you know there is some stuff in here that's a bit dark you know there's generational trauma there's there's things in here that are not funny essentially this isn't a hilarious episode okay and it isn't it sways way far from television from time to time and you know we're finding that that does happen on the odd episode and it is what it is so um you know i'm not gonna restrict myself in subject matter and kind of you know avoid talking about certain things because it might upset someone who i might even know or be related to i've got to you know what's the the current term uh speak my truth you know we do have to speak our truth right you know, I, i'm not on here to you know pretend i'm someone i'm not okay so uh, i hope that doesn't offend anyone i'm not trying to offend anyone i'm just trying to be myself and uh, talk to people uh, passionately about things we do um, want to discuss so although this is not the podcast for that uh, it does come up in this particular episode so without further ado let's get on with it so this is me talking to janelle niles uh, probably about two months ago here we go everybody put your hands together for janelle niles roll up roll up Welcome to Television Times, a weekly podcast with your host, me, Steve Otis Gunn. We'll be discussing television in all its glorious forms. From my childhood, your childhood, the last ten years, even what's on right now. So, join me as I talk to people you do know and people you don't about what scared them, what inspired them, and what made them laugh and cry here on Television Times. I found a new word today, and that was from you. In, I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck this up. Um, indigeneity. 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 Yeah, it's your uh, indigenous identity. Indigeneity. I've not heard that word before. Oh, it is definitely a new word. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. This podcast, weirdly, I get um, a lot of Australian listeners, some Canadian listeners, and UK. So it's kind of like um, what would have been called, I guess, the Commonwealth, the list of stolen countries. Um, <laughs> That's it, eh? <laughs> I know, right? Because like, this podcast is predominantly about television. What I've noticed, I mean, probably, and I have to say this, it's Mark Marin who kept having the sort of Reservation Dogs chat on his podcast, yeah. which made me watch Reservation Dogs, which made me watch um, 
I also watched, I'm starting to, I watched Prey, the movies Prey. Mm-hmm. Three Pines as well, the Canadian show. That was, yep. that was pretty good. There's just a real like thirst for like Indigenous Canadians uh, stories, Indigenous people's stories in North America. And it seems to be almost, I mean, dare I say, um, it's just in the mainstream now. It's, there's a real change. And Reservation Dogs, I mean, it only did three seasons and ended. But um, that show dragged me right in. And it was just like seeing this whole other culture and this whole other story that you just don't see anywhere else. And as a British person, completely removed from it, you know. Are we recording right now for the podcast? I just have to ask. Yeah, 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 yeah. we're okay. Oh, perfect. Because right. I didn't want to get all uh, uh, profound without us actually recording. Perfect. So... It's amazing to finally have Indigenous uh, stories Mm. and our experiences and actors in the limelight. Because for the longest time, um, Indigenous people were called Indians. And we were just cowboys and Indians and John Wayne movies and Dances with the Wolves and Pocahontas. And today, uh, we're actually showcasing our people the way that we want to be showcased because our stories yes. are now being heard. So uh, I actually commend uh, Mark Marin for uh, uh, talking about it because he's seeing it firsthand. The, the history that we were all taught was completely wrong. But those movies that you did grow up with, I mean, I remember having like a, a little gun with a thing in it and you'd play Cowboys and Indians. It was incredibly racist. Mm-hmm. And most of the time it, they were played by white people, right? Exactly. <laughs> <I> mean, anyway. <laughs> it's like Civil War reenactments. They uh, They don't... They don't tell the other side, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just the people who won want to play. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I like as well, it's like over here, I think Riz Ahmed, the actor, he said something along the lines of like, first you play a terrorist, then you play in sort of, you know, nothing negative just that happened to be in a Pakistani family. Then you're just a drummer who's deaf, like in that movie he did. Yeah. And this, it doesn't matter. So it's not about the ethnicity. It's just about the person, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I've actually started to see that now because I'm seeing characters from resi dogs and other shows like um what's his name i always get his name wrong this is zan McLaren, uh that guy in loads of stuff and he's just rocking up and he's not necessarily talking about what race he is or he's just a character in a thing without and it's just the story do you know what i mean yeah so it's not about that it's interesting that you say that because that's what people say i only do on stage what i do is i tackle tough topics through humor and i just bring up a lot of stuff that needs to be said on stage my first and foremost thing is to make people laugh and yeah. if I can make people laugh with uh, something they haven't really thought of before, uh, making them uncomfortable to break that tension, that's what I do. And I mm. find uh, Indigenous peoples here in Canada, uh, we didn't really have our own voice until the Idle No More movement, where we stopped being silent to stay humble. So as much as I do talk about being an Indigenous woman or Black or gay on stage, yeah. my first and foremost is to make them laugh. Um, and yes. I try not to be on a soapbox the whole time, if you know what I mean. Your voice hasn't actually been out there before. So, I mean, it it needs to be part of it and it will be part of it. And especially with what you're trying to do. It's kind of, you know, it's the whole thing, right? So oh, Exactly. It's a company, Gotland? Uh, Gotland is a business here in Canada. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Gotland is Janelle Niles. I'm a sole proprietor. And I created it in 2021. 
And uh, it was during the pandemic and people said in the pandemic, oh, if you're bored, start a business. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I did. Start, start a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Start a podcast, <laughs> start a business. I was like, fine, I guess this is the time to do it. And I was actually in college for massage therapy at the time because uh, I really liked uh, massage. I liked the anatomy and physiology about it. I passed the first and second year of flying colors. And when going into the third year, that's when COVID happened, March 2020, uh, we were just graduating our second year and they said, oh, everything's on Zoom now. But yes, you can't learn massage therapy over <laughs> Zoom the way I learn. Uh, I'm very no. hands on. And the whole third year was supposed to be clinic and you're in yeah. trials and you're, you're hands on. And yeah, uh, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Right. I'm like, Am I supposed to massage the kink out of the K? Like, what? Like, I can't do this online. By the way, you know you're learning massage. Uh, no one's allowed to touch anyone for a year. Yeah, exactly, right? And it's like, what am I supposed to do? But I was just getting into comedy at the time. I think I was yeah. uh, just shy of a year in. And I'm like, I guess I can try to focus 100% into comedy. And no comedian, if you're listening to this and you're a year into comedy and you think you can start a business and go comedy full-time, I took a leap of faith and it worked for me, but yeah. do not put all your eggs in a basket. I I threw all yeah. my eggs in a basket to take that risk, but I'm determined. I'm, how do you say, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in the way because everything fell mm. where they may. And I, I wouldn't want anybody to put them in a position that they couldn't handle themselves. I was in a perfect position to start my business. And so I did. Um, and now it's a thriving business and I'm a full-time stand-up comedian uh, three years later. Well, I mean, you made your own stage. You invented it. Yes. You basically made a stage for you to stand on. That's that's the way to do it. Yeah. You've done it. Everybody was telling me to watch uh, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. And right. I have. And I was like, which character do they want me to think I am? And I'm like, oh, it's the booker. It's her agent. <laughs> when, oh, really? Yeah. It's not the comedian. It's the booker. <laughs> do you do that thing where you pretend to be someone else and you're, when you're booking yourself, oh, oh yeah, she's available, but uh, put on a different voice oh, and be no, your own agent. Not at all. I'm quite transparent. <laughs> I just know how to talk myself up, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And have you gigged um, anywhere outside of Canada? I can't say uh, publicly that I have because I do not oh. want to be banned out of a country because I didn't have the paperwork. <laughs> However, I wonder which country that is. I actually uh, was gifted, <laughs> let's say it was a gift mm -hmm. to do a free show at an open mic in Ireland when I went there in 2019. Uh, oh, the Irish mic. Yeah, yes, that open fine. mic doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it, they, it got ruined through COVID, but uh, I was one comedian out of 22 and it was a three hour long show and because wow. i brought the audience other than the 22 oh, right. comedians yes nice. um they made me go last so everybody i brought had to sit there but they were drinking and having the best time of their You're life the headliner yes and every <laughs> single person who was at that show in 2019 uh my friend group uh my friend's friend group they were at the wedding that i was just at a couple weeks oh. ago and they're like wow look how far you've come we saw you when you were just brand new because i was yeah. i was just banking brand new and uh yeah. it, it was nice to see uh people who just seen me when i was like a couple months into where i am now you clearly have a brand you have a look you have a style you're very individual i think uh, and you stand out 
I mean, clearly. I want to be something people haven't seen before. Is that a great joke? I've seen it a couple of times. I keep playing it back. Like one where you just go, are there any landowners in? It makes, makes me laugh every time. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, some people say I get a little too political up here. Uh, white people, am I too political? They'll be like, no, I will try harder. <laughs> any landowners here? <laughs> any single landowners? Just trying to get my land back one white man at a time. I'm like, we have to stop making celebrities uh, president. You know? Oh, you don't want you don't want the rock as president then. Yeah, no. It's here's the thing. Like, we uh, as uh, people in the entertainment industry, we're degenerates in ourselves. Like, mm. uh, a lot of the celebrities you see on TV here in North America haven't even graduated high school. Why would you want them to run the country? And yeah. and it's like I could not see my people are like Janelle. Why didn't you work for the government? You check off all these boxes. I'm like, because I don't want to be silenced. I want to be able to say whatever I want to say on stage. And yeah. also, why would you want me to? I don't have all the answers. And God forbid I trust anybody who thinks they do. And so, uh, if anything, I think we need to elect people who are uh, who have doctorates, multiple doctorates. To and be the thing, right? Yes. So if you're in charge of healthcare, be a doctor. Exactly. Don't just be a guy who mm-hmm. was a businessman. Of a, of, a, well, of a hedge fund. You exactly. Know? That's it the makes thing. sense to me. Yeah. How yeah. many times people are uh, at work in a corporation and uh, people above them have no idea how to do their own job? And that's how I find with those, with oh, the yeah. government. It's just like a bunch of people in power who don't even know how to do the job that they are overseeing. That is true. And it can happen in entertainment worlds too, because uh, in 2018, I was production manager for one of the big five at Edinburgh Fringe, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And if I didn't have all those brilliant people underneath me doing all the work, you know, I could get shows up on time. I could go around and talk to all the acts and all of that. But like when it came to some of it, I was like, I don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, you birth know, by delegation. fire. That's what we delegation. call it. Yes, delegation, delegation. And birth by fire. But you, you know, the, the funny thing is, you say that like a because like it's, it's always whoever's popular now. It's The Rock. Before it was Will Smith. They wanted Will Smith to be. <laughs> you remember that yeah. period? That's gone. That's gone. Thank goodness. The audio recording got a bit fuzzy around here. I couldn't make head and tail of it. Um, but basically, we were talking about um, childhood and how we watch TV and access to television. And it led to Janelle basically reintroducing herself to you, the listener, um, on the podcast. Of course, 100%. I'd love to introduce myself. So uh, I do it on stage every day. It's like, hi, my name is Janelle Niles. I am a First Nations Mi'kmaq and Black woman from Sabaganagany, Nova Scotia. And I was raised in front of the TV. If anything, TV helped raise me. And I think the one of the biggest things I I did as a kid was as soon as I got home, I put on Just for Laughs. And Just for Laughs is a big uh, uh, production here in Canada. And they showcased a lot of stand-up comedy, Just for Laughs gags. And it was on, I think, Comedy Central, I believe. Uh, hopefully I'm not getting that wrong. But uh, I put on uh, Just for Laughs and I was watch comedy every single day of my life. Yeah. So it was always part of you. Yes. I mean, you have um, Montreal, don't you? So. You, yes, it's just two hours away. Do you go to that? Do you perform it? Uh, I haven't performed uh, uh, in Montreal, but I have performed with Just for Last in Toronto. Nice. Where's the venue yes. in Toronto then? Um, I was at the Royal Cinema Theatre, mm. and it was in the uh, heart of uh, Toronto. Mm. I love Toronto. And it was amazing. We had two shows back to back, and unfortunately, it was on the day of Truth and Reconciliation Day here in Canada, and uh, that is just a very um, heavy day for us because we are um, remembering 
the children that we have lost mm-hmm. um, due to the residential schools. And um, they believed that having a show that day would, uh, an Indigenous comedy show, uh, would be a good thing. And in a way, it was. However, um, it was one of the hardest shows I ever had to do, trying to sell tickets to a show where we are almost uh, collectively mourning. Mm -hmm. But um, I knew that our people, we need laughter. And laughter, we heal through humor. And uh, it actually, after a day of those, um, I'm not saying celebrations, because that's the word I want to say, but it's not the word that we use, uh, the day of ceremony, there it is, Mm. Um, uh, having some laughter at the end of it kind of brings your uh, mood back up after uh, those heavy days of tears and mourning. And it was. And uh, I'm very happy I was able to be gifted those two shows for Just for Laughs. It was my dream to be uh, performing on the Just for Laughs stage. I wanted to be performing in Montreal, but I'll take Toronto. I'm not yeah. too picky. But uh, I do uh, know that it was one of the hardest uh, shows I ever had to do. That's, that's, that's tough. Wow. See, I have a thing. I, I, get, I have to be very careful on here because I do have probably some people that are christian or whatever who believe i don't know what your uh, religious situation is but i know i know that you're probably a very spiritual person for sure mm-hmm. but um i am extremely anti uh, organized religion and seeing the stuff that's happened in ireland and australia and canada and america i, I mean i can't can't actually get my head around it i just cannot understand how a human being can do that although you put on the news they're doing it today um but to actually like do the things they did and to take fucking children from their parents and and put them and and just brainwash them into another way of thinking because they think their god is right or it just it makes me so angry i can't can't, even as a big old honky i get very fucked off (laughs) they actually have uh a doctrine called the doctrine of discovery and that was giving them justification to do what they did and that's why uh here in north america turtle island we say we send the doctrine of discovery because we need to stop uh, Catholicism, Catholicism, like Christian, uh, we need to stop them <laughs> from trying to take over the world be, oh, for their God, like yeah. to stop to stop killing and stop committing genocide for your religion. And people are like, oh, that doesn't happen anymore. I'm like, it still happens today. Happening. Like people go to uh, villages with Bibles and disease and try to wipe out mm. um, uh, indirectly or directly uh, that population. And they're like, oh, they're all dead. Oh, look at all these resources laying around. Whoops, oops, sorry. Yeah, we didn't mean to, but now let's grab everything we can. So it's kind of uh, that backhanded, passive aggressive, um, like we're here for the greater good of us, not you, but we're going to make it look like we want to help you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are charity shops here that, um, what do you call charity shops? And you have them there, don't you, where you take secondhand stuff and buy second, like Goodwill in America, but an actual, where yeah. the money actually goes to charity. But I won't go to some of them because they'll take the goods and they'll sell them and they'll give the money to the charity and they'll give them to the people that need it, but only with the Bible, you know? It's horrible too, because on that note, uh, in the Bible, uh, it actually states that if you are Christian, you have to help the homeless. Mm. And uh, that's why the mission or the soup kitchen, they're all run by the church because as uh, they're, they get tax breaks, right? As yes. long as they 
help the homeless. Mm. However, I was uh, homeless uh, myself and I tried to go to the mission once and they told me, well, you have to go to chapel before you can get a meal. Wow. And I was like, uh, I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> Thank you. Oh yeah. You had to go to chapel before you got a ticket to go to meal. And I was like, that is ridiculous because uh, I'm just, I'm just here for food. I'm not sure if that happens anymore. And it's been about like 15 years since I've been homeless, but mm. Oh, sorry, that homeless yeah. <laughs> on the street. Yeah. I've been homeless multiple times. I was when I was homeless, homeless, <laughs> like sleeping on my uh, twin sister's couch. I was homeless, but I wasn't homeless, homeless. Yeah. <laughs> how do you feel about um, the new term, unhoused? Yeah, I don't like it at all. Uh, I'm like, how dare you? It's so pretentious. I'm like, I was homeless. Like yeah. I was without a home. I was like, uh, and to tell people who were homeless that they have to use a new term, we're just looking at them like, who are you to tell us what <laughs> yeah. we can call ourselves? Who are these people? You know? Because I, I'm, I'm, I have to be really careful because I, some things I want to take on because they're better and they're you know, better words and, and get rid of some of those mm. horrible old words that mean horrible things and are offensive. But with that one, I did think, oh, that does sound like, that sounds like a liberal white person in Brooklyn came up with that one. I mean, it really does. 100%. Yeah. And George Carlin would be rolling over him in his grave. He, they're like, he's, they're still doing it. They're still. Doing it. <laughs> he, why bother with that one? Exactly. Ones, guys. There's a lot of other ones they need to work on. So yeah, I say homeless when I'm on stage. Mm. I say homeless when I talk uh, in public, when I do speeches and whatever have you. I say homeless. And I do see a little people shift in their seats mm. a bit. And I'm like, uh, as somebody who was homeless, I should be able to say, yeah, it's I was a bit homeless. like um, it's like people who've been, you know, I was physically abused as a child. It's like telling me that I was unloved instead of abused. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, oh, sorry, you were unloved. It's like, Fucking hell, mate! Come on. What? I mean, I'll I'll start there. Shall I start that? I can start that movement tomorrow. Not even. <laughs> I'm not doing it. It's just people are so scared of words. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was a security guard down uh, downtown, uh, one of the politically correct terms for somebody who was uh, like a street person mm -hmm. uh, was vagrant. And the vagrant, we vagrant, had a right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and people say, oh, you shouldn't use that word. I'm like, why? Is it the V or the grant? <laughs> it's, it's vagrant. And I'm like, I used to be a vagrant too. I used to be homeless. I used to be walking these streets. And they're like, yeah, but it just sounds wrong. And I'm like, yeah, because it makes you uncomfortable. It literally is the politically correct term I need to use in my notes yeah, as a yeah, security yeah. guard. I'm it's just like, wondering uh, what the word vagrant actually means. Like, what is the actual meaning sure. of it? A vagrant is someone who is homeless and poor and may wander from place to place. This V for Vendetta ruined all V words. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> yes, it's delicious. <laughs> So while you were um, unhoused, did you have access to television? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, actually, I uh, I was living in um, shelters and mm. uh, transitional housing and stuff like that. And I did not have access to television. But when I uh, moved up to Yellowknife with my ex-husband, he actually took me out of some of uh, my uh, situations there. And I got obsessed with a TV show called uh, My Name is Earl. My and name is that Earl. TV show. Yeah. Yes. And it's like... Uh, it's a show about this guy who um, is battling karma because hmm. he was in and out of jail all the time. He had malicious intent 
and he won like a hundred thousand dollar lottery ticket but got hit by a car and when he woke up in the hospital he's like i need to change my life so he writes down everything he did wrong yes and throughout the seasons yes he tries to make them right so he can um have this uh, money without the uh, guilt, mm. if you will. And uh, it felt like, oh, wow, uh, it's, I have to get my karma in order. <laughs> That's, as somebody who used to be homeless, I'm like, I need to get my karma in order. Like, I know I didn't deserve to be homeless or I put myself there. No. It was more of, uh, I need to right my wrongs. But there is some Christian overtones, I guess. Yeah, it sounds like the 12-step uh, thing of going around and apologizing to everyone you... Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, but I'm able to take out uh, the those uh, religious <laughs> connotations mm-hmm. and uh, just focus on, oh, look at him do, trying to do good for, you know, his family or his friends. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, I mean, I've seen the Dalai Lama speak multiple times and I'm not a Buddhist, but I love what he says and his message is good. And when he's not sucking children's tongues, um, he's... Uh, <laughs> He's the dude, you know? Yes. But, um, but I'm not a Buddhist and I don't follow it all because I can't. It's not in me. Because we have critical thinking skills and a lot of people don't, you know? Possibly. You're able to take the good out of the bad. Yeah. But then sometimes, uh, there are sometimes, and that's probably something you, you might have, is there's sometimes in nature, when I'm looking at nature or when I'm looking at my kids, I have kids, um, and I just think they are a little bit miracly, and it is kind of mad that this is just here and we're just floating in space on this rock and 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 we're alive and i know there's oxygen in the air and i'm breathing it in but i don't know about that and what if it wasn't there you know and i think that is in some way that does make me question my atheism but not enough to believe one of theirs but there's something there's something else going on i mean i wouldn't be surprised if we're not where we think we are <laughs> you know right i uh, i find it's just like the uh it's just magic of the universe Mm. if it will like i love i love the universe i love uh like i travel i've been up north to the tundra where if you walk an hour in any direction you're dead if you don't know how to get back home one of those same yeah same if you go to uh, the desert i shouldn't i shouldn't be alive shows where they just go wandering and (laughs) exactly (laughs) and lots of places in earth on earth are inhabitable really Mm. and then we we kind of uh, triumph, like a lot of the uh, Inuit populations, like the fact that they've been able to survive for uh, thousands of years. It's like, oh, wow, it's how did they do that? Ice. Exactly. Ice seals you and whales. How are you doing this? <laughs> exactly. And uh, it's a it's a miracle within itself, but it's uh, we, uh, we, we adapt. Hmm. Uh, humans, we adapt. And I think, uh, I know this is a weird segue, but I always wonder what would happen if the grid went down, if all the power, how long uh, do I have to make sure to get my materials, my like to be able to adapt in that new civilization? Because all heck is going (laughs) to break loose when, you know, when law doesn't exist. Because there's not going to be enough police or enough army, enough, you know, order. Yeah. I do wonder about like, because obviously they've made, they've made loads of shows like that, but you know, the internet suddenly doesn't work anymore and then planes fall out of the sky and all that sort of stuff because we have computerized everything. But I do sort of think that at some point in the future, it won't be like this. We'll probably go back a little bit. We'll, we'll step, like future generations will go, this is too much. And they will go mm-hmm. back a little because this is clearly too far. But um, weirdly, what you just said reminded me of uh, sometimes, I've been to India a few times and last time we were just backpacking. And last time we were there, 
they did they do a thing called load shedding where they just turn all the electricity off <laughs> for like hours a day so at like i don't know six o'clock at night and they don't do it in the daytime for some reason they do it at night when it's dark at six o'clock at night you're in the <laughs> himalayas in a pub and they'll just go all the power will go off and they go this is what it's like for four hours and they'll put some candles around and it's fine and you just live like without electricity and we used to do it almost every day and i, I really liked it I actually really liked it. And I think it would be good for the world to just do it. Oh, 100%. To exist within themselves, yeah, yeah. to listen to their own thoughts. Read a book. Exactly. Don't just wander around Costco buying giant tins of beans or whatever they do. Oh, it's uh, it's Velveeta cheese. <laughs> I, heard. I, I, I must dispute the fact that America has cheese. Um. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that Velveeta is not real. Uh, but when I was in Ireland, yeah. everyone thought I was an American. Oh, really? Uh, because of the way yeah, I talk. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was um, standing at the elevator and uh, a friend of mine was standing next to me. And I'm like, holy, my feet hurt. We've been walking all day. Mm. And a girl's like, Americans. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I've been walking for 10 hours across Dublin. I think my feet are allowed to be sore. (laughs) Right, let's get on to some, uh, let's get on to some silly telly questions. Is that all right? Do you want to pick a number from one to 20? Uh, Eight. Eight. What's eight? The funniest thing you ever saw on TV. So the funniest thing I ever saw on TV was, I believe it was just for laughs. It was a comedian. Uh, his name is Richard Jenny. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he has passed. I think he um, took his own life 2007, oh. 2008. But he was one of the funniest guys I've ever seen. And I saw him when I was a kid and he had a skit where he was laying out the playing cards while dating. Like if you had cards of uh, your uh, your issues, like the biggest like red flags, what would they be? And I was on the floor crying and uh i really loved richard jenny i believe bill burr today bill burr's like preceding richard jenny but uh he was one of the best comedians um that i've ever seen yes richard that guy yeah he was in the mask as well yes oh is he um yeah yeah i love the mask the mask (laughs) is great (laughs) i I watched that with my well I i think it was probably about seven when i watched it with him and i thought oh this is way more inappropriate than i recall right same. I tried to watch Delirious, uh, Eddie Murphy's Delirious with my cousin. And I was like, oh, no, I'm like, no, this is a little no, too no, no. She's like, I don't find this funny. I'm like, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't know what kind of uh, reality TV shows you have in Canada. I think you might have similar ones to us because the, again, terrible word. I don't even know what it means. I should investigate what Commonwealth means. But it's it's always, it's Canada and UK and Australia have the same TV shows. They're like Dragon's mm-hmm. Den and apprentice and all of those big things brother like, and all that big stuff. brothers yeah. and the american one survivor and married at first sight things like that probably but i'm gonna guess you're not into reality tv i might be wrong i'm not into reality tv because go. i know it is scripted so it's exactly. not reality you're too intelligent to like that but if Aww. say say you're <laughs> right so you're, you're five years time you're at the top of your game you get your specials out you get netflix special and they come to you and they come to you and they say janelle we really want you to do this show. Gun to your head, which reality TV show could you bear to be on? I would be on... If they made one for me, like uh, Tila Tequila had one. Do you remember that <laughs> <Right>. one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if they made one uh, falling in love with Janelle Niles, I'll be on that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
show that you would erase from history. So Men in Black, hit the button. No one remembers it. It's gone. Yeah, The Weekend's The Idol. That TV show should not <laughs> exist. It is horrible. It is literally someone's uh, porn dream fantasy that he got enough money to make. It is <laughs> it is triggering beyond belief. It is just raunchy. It is like I, as a comedian, I know... <laughs> to make people uncomfortable to break the tension. It was just uncomfortable. There was really? no break of the tension. There was no character development. It was just being edgy and raw and gross on purpose. I wish it never existed. <laughs> well, your wishes, your wishes I command with a, with a wave of our wand, it is gone. Yes. And if there was a TV show from the past that you could bring back to life, it could be a reboot or you could just bring it back as it is. Uh, what would that be if you could bring one back? Seinfeld, 100%. Oh, lovely choice. I love Seinfeld. I loved. Uh, I love everything about it, even when they were being a little bit risque, like when Jerry had the Indian uh, cigar uh, statue to that uh, mm. the, to the uh, indigenous woman. I was like, holy, okay, they're uh, starting <laughs> a conversation, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just being very, and then they had the conversation. I'm like, good, that's yeah. what you're supposed to do. That's why I like shows like All in the Family or the Jeffersons and stuff, because they created a conversation. And uh, mm. I like those shows. Uh, would you, same cast, you just bring them back as the age they are now and just continue? Oh, yeah, 100%. If, if they're still right as rain, yeah. Uh, all of them come back even michael richards oh yeah definitely michael richards kramer god and he has to <laughs> lather himself in butter again that's his yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what that's his karma it's like yeah oh, you're gonna come back on seinfeld but you have to lather yourself up in butter again will you do that he's like okay as long as i get the check you know <laughs> sometimes i think when we're doing podcasts that we've all become kramer when he steals that set and installs it in his apartment and has his own chat show yeah. and he's talking to himself i kind of think we've all become that <laughs> 100%. Like, I listen to Bill Burr's Monday morning podcast all the time, and he's just yeah. there talking to himself, all, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, but uh, I find with uh, with Kramer, um, Michael Richards, uh, uh, as a comedian myself, I could understand why he thought that would get the pop that he, but... It was uh, not the right room, nor the right energy, yeah. the right thing. Not saying I'm saying you should have said that, or no, yeah. uh, that was a great thing to say. It was more no, of, no. as a comedian, sometimes you think, oh, this will get the room back. And it was the complete it opposite. just went too far, yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. he didn't mean that, and I've, I've spoken to other people about this, but nobody believes he believes what he said in any way or form. No, it was just... It was literally just... It was, response to a heckle. it was out of uh, anger mixed with the intent to laugh, and that wasn't the the appropriate mix. It wasn't the potion he needed to, you know. Yeah, he was angry. Yeah, people say crazy things when they're angry, but yeah, he he walked it back a bit on comedians and cars, didn't he? Slightly. Oh yeah. So he I'm sort of apologized for it. Imagine that we were all held to the standard of what we say when we're the most angry. Everybody be in jail. <laughs> Who was the first person on television you saw that gave you that fuzzy feeling inside? your first tv crush as it were can it be a cartoon that's it's always a cartoon uh, it's always a cartoon it is it's a uh, cyber six <laughs> it would be cyber, cyber six. six yeah because uh um cyber six is uh about a woman that was um in a lab uh and she has to 
fight uh, these monsters that this uh, evil um, doctor is trying to, uh, like, you know, take over the world kind of thing. And uh, she, by day, is uh, disguised as a man. And by night, she's a woman in a cape and a hat. And she uh, uh, triumphs over evil, like in Sailor Moon. And um, I I, uh, saw that, and I was like, that is... Uh, amazing and I never knew like back then as a kid that I was identifying with her I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world I was all like look at her masquerading by day as a man and then at night she's a woman kicking ass (laughs) it was something completely different for a superhero to change their gender uh just even like on the face of it to uh uh, to masquerade in public and uh I was like oh that that was amazing it was something new something different and uh, I love cyber six so this is uh, an interesting question for you. Uh, you'll have one for this. Uh, which TV character would you embody for 24 hours? Like you would be that person, the fictional or... Uh, it would be uh, Leela from Futurama, 100%. All right, the one eye. Give me one big eyeball. Give me, I know, another car. I know, I, I love cartoons. Like if you see my bed right there, you can see like a Dragon Ball Z plush, uh, a Hello Kitty, a bunny. Yeah, off. I've got that on my, on my daughter's bed. We have that same Hello Kitty. <laughs> She's six tomorrow. So yeah. here's a secret that I never said out loud. I uh, have plushies on my bed because I'm still like an old otaku, loved anime and stuff. But anytime I look at my bed and I think of an adult, I'm almost, I'm 36 years old, having plushies Mm. or something childish around, I unfortunately think of that news anchor who killed herself on live TV. And when they went to her bedroom, they saw how childish it was. It was all pink and she had stuffed animals on her bed. And I look at my bed and I'm all like, you are not that woman you are a different person (laughs) and uh, like because i recognize patterns i have pattern recognition so i'm like does me having plushies on my bed signify that i have a mental illness or do i just can't can't handle change in in some way (laughs) claiming some kind of childhood back isn't it exactly because you you, because it was tumultuous so you you want to have that comfort yeah imagine and what's more comfortable than a nice squashy plushy toy exactly i I like them i i bought some back from japan for my kids and they were like you know they're mad over there like a kind of you know a cupcake or anything is a is a mascot right and i bought back these little and they're so soft and they're so nice and sometimes i go and sleep on the floor in their room and i'll grab a couple of them and they just Oh, they're so lovely to hold. Exactly. They're so soft and lovely and Pe- velvety. People say, oh, you should be mature and have a mature like room and everything has to be bland and boring. And that's how adults live. And I'm like, God, no wonder you guys are depressed. No wonder you hate yourselves. <laughs> like there's uh, there's a, uh, something we say here uh, on this uh, side of the pond. We say, um, I think actually someone from your side of the pond said it and we just adopted it. It's um, self-expression is the opposite of depression. Nice. I have a theory that there are no adults. I don't think we're all just pretending. I don't feel any different than I was a kid. Do you really? Not really. No. Just pretending, aren't we? Exactly. <laughs> Not really. I uh, I have the. <laughs> I go outside and I still wander. I still look around, and uh, yeah. that's something different. Like if I go to the States, I have to not do that. Apparently, if I am uh, smiling and looking around and everything, people are going to call me an easy mark. And I'm like, ah. Oh, really? An easy mark? I thought it was going to be the other thing. Uh, My in-laws live in Arizona. And um, when I go there, I have been stopped by the police just for walking. 
as a white guy, just because I'm walking, because nobody walks around, right? And why would I be outside? I've just been walking along the street, and I'll try and cross the road, and I'll come back, and then suddenly there's a cop, and they go, Boop, and they get the light, and they shine it in my face. And they're like, what you doing here, sir? And I, I go, oh, I'm just visiting. And they hear the voice, and I go, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> right? And it's like, and I have to explain. Like, you know someone that lives around here? And they do this whole thing, and I'm like... I turned my uh, my white voice on, or my colonized voice on, when oh, right. I have to uh, talk to uh, authority and whatever have you, because it's uh, called self-policing. Um, but I grew up with somebody who was so against authority, who would scream in cops' faces and all that stuff, and always get in trouble oh. with the police. And my family uh, gets in trouble with the police a lot, because they have, you know, uh, disdain for police. And I understand why they do. However. I don't ever want to be in uh, jail because I think like that cop uh, could be a good cop and you're just hmm. freaking poking the bear or you could be um, battling a cop who's having a bad day. But if you are doing everything uh, as proper as a citizen, then that will yeah, be shown yeah, yeah. on the body cam. Uh, you'll have a better case. But if you're uh, just cussing out a bad cop, then he has more case against you. And it's just a weird balance yeah. where it's like, I hate the fact that I feel I have to do that, that I have mm. to kind of shuck and jive just so I don't go to jail because I was brought up with the notion that I was always going to go to prison because I'm a black native woman and the white man will want to make an example out of me and that was put in my head that I was always going to go to jail always going to go to prison like there's um what show scared the shit out of me Oz there's a show called Oz, Oz. yeah, yeah I know, a Oz. prison yeah, show yeah. and my mom made me watch it as a kid so I saw a lot of the uh the rape of men as a child and Jesus uh Christ. she said that's what's going to happen to you one day the white man's going to put you there just because then it was just like it was uh constant that oh, I was that is I, it is and all I could think about was like wow. how can I not go to prison and I was like, be on mm. your best behavior, follow the rules, listen to what is told to you, respect authority. And I'm for like, it not unfortunately, but it did work for me. I, I don't mm. have, I don't have a criminal record and I've yeah. been a good girl, if you will. But uh, a lot of people in my family who uh, hate authority, uh, just because it's in their nature, um, they uh, they have been a prison. They just don't know how to uh, not talk the way out of it or just, you know, uh, be uh, like even going to the grocery store. They're arguing with the cashier. It just it's not even just authority. It's anybody who might have power over them from some, like right. from a cashier to a service worker to anybody. It could be anyone. And and they have yeah. to like fight back against the man, and I'm like, oh goodness gotcha. gracious, that's exhausting. Yeah, that's that's going to get tiring. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I always, I would never fucking shout at the police. I would never take that risk because I was brought up in in by parents who told me that the police were bad, and they, if they come to the door, you never answer the door. My biggest threat to me as a child was if you ever bring the police to the door, I'll beat the shit out of you. That's what my dad used to say, and I bought them twice. It was a fucking bad day. Um, so the police were always the boogeyman, you know, and it was always like, you know, they're against us and we're the good guys. And I'm like, but we're the criminals. <laughs> we can't be the good guys. Right? Right? And so as a, as a grown-up, I, I mean, I, I always treat them nicely. I just think they're doing a job and they're doing as best as they can. They're just people at work. And if you scream and shout at them, I mean, I even walk different when a police car goes by and I haven't done anything. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You just sort of like relax a bit and go, hey, I'm relaxed. I haven't done anything. <laughs> you know. 
Uh, self-preservation. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. Self-preservation comes to mind. It got so bad growing up that I was scared to walk into an Ikea because I was meant to believe that Ikea is a white people's store and I'm not welcome. So uh, It's just a Swedish store. Exactly. Why does it white? And <laughs> I was told. Yeah, yeah. Like, pretty and then I was scared to go on to the train uh, the, uh, because I thought only white people could afford it and I wasn't allowed. It was just like being like I was if I was at a movies uh, theater and my friend put his feet up on the front of the chairs, I would mm. say, put your feet down right away. We're going to get kicked out. And he's like, no, we're not. I'm like, then I will because I'm with you and you're going to like blame me and I'm going to get kicked out. And it was just that uh, instilling the paranoia of both police into your child's brain um that you are always going to be the victim of police is not progressive <laughs> in the least and it, it turns your child into a second class citizen because you're you're just constantly thinking that you're you're the one that's going to be targeted because you're not equal exactly and it's uh i guess in some cases it's true in the states when there's a huge police presence in the hood or in the bronx or whatever have you that uh you can just walk down the street and you can get gunned down and i do understand that does happen to people yeah. uh but here in canada i was meant to believe that's how i was supposed to be living because i grew up here in the ghettos of ottawa and to put that fear into a kid's head mm. made me hyper vigilant and now I'm hypervigilant as an adult and uh, I go to therapy and they say, well, it's, it's not mental, Janelle, it's somatic. It's in your muscles. Have you got the fight or flight is always in flight mode? Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm constantly in fight or flight mode. Yeah, yeah. me too. It's not, it's not great, is it? No. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it can be, and it can be uh, groomed into you mm. uh, from uh, uh, paranoid parents. It can be made, you can be made to be that type of adult. And uh, I, I wish any kid listening, if there is a kid listening, that uh, uh, you don't have to be fearful of the world because the world will mold around you uh, in, in its own regard as long as you can uh, have trust. <laughs> like, I trust that the world can be a good place, it is. even though I know that there is good and bad. The thing I keep telling myself and thinking, and I would tell my kids too, is that there's never been a better time to be alive. That's just fact. There's never been a better time yep. to be alive on this planet. And generally, most people seem to be pretty decent. Generally. Mm -hmm. There's a very generally. small amount of people that are the worst. Unfortunately, those people seem to be running everything. But, you know, it won't last forever. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a little switch in my brain. As a comedian, I have to have a switch in my brain yeah. to tell me when uh, the audience likes me or hates me. And I'm like, I have to kind of shift. Oh, really? And I do that with people. I'm like, oh, okay, that person, I must have rubbed the wrong way. I'm just going to back off and blah, 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 and just not pay it any mind because... Uh, that wasn't in my intent, but I'm not going to perpetuate any more harm. Mm. <laughs> so like people see uh, I'm on Facebook a lot or Instagram or whatever have you. And I'll write um, a blurb of how something or someone had made me feel. Mm. People like, is this actually happening or is this in your head? And normally right. I don't post uh, posts like that unless it's happened multiple times right. because 
it's happened so often, my pattern recognition is picked up on it. And either I want people to stop hating on me or doing those microaggressions. When I'm telling a joke, I'm joking up there. When I'm being serious, I'm being mm. there's two different Janelles you're meeting. The person I'm on stage is not the same person I'm off stage. So please understand that yeah. when I'm off stage, I leave my activism for on stage and trying to explain the duality of that. Do you respond to comments? Do you read comments on your social media posts? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> I read, I, uh, I read comments, um, not to the point where I have to respond. Like this one guy said on a video, uh, don't quit your day job. And I was like, eh, whatever. I think I saw that. And I also saw someone say something negative and then a load of people piled on on your behalf. Yeah. And I tell people don't pile on my behalf because the last thing I want is people to, um, what do you call? Because when people come after me, I don't want them to come after my friends and family because I've had that happen to me before where they came after my, um, my own mother came after a group of my friends and she just let them have it and spilled her vitriol uh, to my friends who were just trying to uh, support me. So, oh, this one um, happened yesterday. He's like, so bad, such a bad routine. She looks awkward AF as fuck. And then I wrote, thanks. And I wrote, thanks. <laughs> Because he helped my algorithm. I'm like, thanks for the comment because you've just boosted my algorithm. And then he just kept going. He's like, oh, you're welcome. I'm like, much appreciated. Exactly. I'm like, the more you comment, the more yeah. the algorithm pushes it. So my thing is never uh, defend yourself to strangers. Yeah. So that's a long way to get there, but never defend yourself to strangers. I, I have to defend myself to peers and family constantly. So why would I want to do that to someone who doesn't know me from a rock in the dirt? Exactly. What a great answer. That's brilliant. Well, um, is there anything you'd like to plug, Janelle? Sure. Uh, well, I'd like to plug that. Hey, I am Janelle Niles. I am the creator of Gotland Indigenous Comedy Show. You can find us on www.gotlandcomedy.com. And also, if you want to see Gotland and you're in the Hamilton region of Ontario, we are going to be performing with the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame on the third week of February. So just follow us on our social medias and hopefully we'll see you there. Nice. Thank you so much for coming on Television Times Podcast. So we did talk about Tully somewhere in there, but it was a great chat. <laughs> yes, regardless. we did. I really yeah. like meeting you. It was really good fun. Thank you. Oh, you too, Steve. Thank you so yeah. much. to me remotely from Canada. Now, what a story that was, eh? Training massage therapy, COVID hits, and then she goes comedy full-time, and now she's got her own business, and, you know, she's very successful. It's amazing, and her voice is important, you know? It's important to have Indigenous voices out there as well, not just a bunch of white people like me. Now, to our outro track. Beep, beep. Right, so the outro track. So it's Transatlantic Serenade, a song from After the Fireworks, which was recorded in Ireland in 2008. Uh, parts of it were also recorded on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, uh, hence the reference uh, of standing on two different Atlantic shores, looking at the uh, ocean from both sides. And uh, it was quite an emotional experience writing this song. And uh, yeah, I'm doing the vocal and uh, being very, very uh, affected by it. Um, we also tried to do it live in Toronto when I first 
first met my future wife and my friend Jeff, we uh, attempted to play it live. That's a place called Supermarket in Toronto. Uh, two places, I think. And um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't like in Back to the Future where you go, okay, it's in E and it's the blues riff. No, it's a fucking disaster. Anyway, uh, so this is Transatlantic Serenade. I hope you like it. I certainly do. i 
one of those songs that just doesn't let up. I used to do a lot of these, like Love Dies of Death, songs like that, that would just literally start and just fucking motor all the way to the end. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Real drums, proper band sound, that one, eh? And uh, yeah, we got to get these songs out there somehow. Let's do that too. Okay, so come back next week where we have a very special guest for you. It's going to be a good one. You're going to love it. Okay, see you next time. Bye. <laughs>